Welcome to Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing that was all started by a mouse. Hello and welcome to Grown Up Kids and Day 5 of Podmas. I'm Katie. And I'm Megan. And today we are being joined by two new guests. So say hello to Terry. Hi. And Kelsey. Hello. Welcome, guys. We're mm-hmm. glad to have you. Mm-hmm. I've been Thanks excited. for having us. Yeah. Oh, it's me. Okay, so <laughs> since we have two new guests, we are going to have two Disney profiles to get through. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's Q&A this. So how did you guys get into Disney? We're going to have Terry start, and then we'll go to Kelsey. Yes. Uh, so basically, like, everybody... It was always there when I was a kid, then when I got older in high school, kind of got out of Disney, especially around like Home uh, uh, home on the Range mm. on Meet the Robinsons and all those not so great movies. But then as I got older again, it just came back and I just fell in love with Disney again. Now I'm obsessed. <laughs> Perfect. Meet the Robinsons um, is good, though. <laughs> I agree with Home on the Range, but... It's okay, okay sorry. we still like you. Sorry, Kelsey, go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> so, before I was born, my mom actually went out and bought the Beauty and the Beast VHS. Um, so, we only had three growing up. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Mary Poppins. And um, so, I watched Aladdin. that one a lot. Um, but I do remember, like, my dad singing A Whole New World to me all the time. And um, it was just a real creative outlet for me. Um, and so from day one, before day one, because my mom bought it before I was born, <laughs> and till now, just been a little consistent fanatic. I like that. That's fanatic. basically how my story went, too. Mm-hmm. My yeah. mom mm-hmm. wanted me to like it. <laughs> so I'm not your environment. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure my mom intended for the obsession, but she definitely was an enabler, so. Yeah. It's all yeah. her fault. Um, so who would you guys say would be your favorite character? Uh, I've got it in three categories. <laughs> That's <laughs> fine. We get that a lot. It's okay. <laughs> Out of the main gang, uh, I'd have to say Goofy, hands down. Um... Out of the animated movies, probably the genie because of Robin Williams mm-hmm. is my all-time favorite actor and comedian. So, yeah, he's great. hello. <laughs> and then from the parks, Figment. Yeah, I like that. I've never heard quite that breakdown before. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I feel like as I grew older, I went through like an evolution of what character I was obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. I went through. Um, loving Jasmine and, you know, those three Renaissance princesses. And um, Eeyore has always been, like, one of my favorites. Alice in Wonderland. Um, but I think, like, for whatever reason, I just keep going back to Belle. So I'm just going to say Belle. Well, yeah. that's, like, I mean, that's the movie your mom bought, right? So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it definitely has, like, a huge influence. And even though I can't go to the parks and do all that. Like, I've gone to the Broadway show a number of times Yeah, to see it. That's a good so. outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. make do. Yeah. 
That kind of reminds me of me a little bit, whereas, like, I kind of had phases. I've always gone back to Winnie the Pooh, but, like, I go through phases. When I was little, I was obsessed with Jasmine. I went through a phase where I was obsessed with Belle. She's currently on a Moana kick. This has not stopped. She's still going through phases. (laughs) Yeah. Moana's pretty great. Yeah, she is. Although, I still like Elsa. Elsa's great, too. See, yeah. the the thing with Frozen for me is we worked at Disney during that craze, and yeah. it <laughs> sort of ruined it a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I like Frozen, but mm-hmm. let me tell you, there were psychotic moms that would run to let their kids meet on an Elsa. I mean, like, they're literally, like, dragging their kid behind them. The kid does isn't even on their feet anymore at this point. <laughs> Like, running to get in line for Anna and Elsa at 9 o'clock in the morning at Magic Kingdom. We used to have to go up to the front of the park with a rope and, like, hold it in front of people so that they wouldn't run. (laughs) Like, it was that intense. We had to, like, walk people to the attraction. (laughs) Yeah. Like a parade? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Elsa really is a great character, but I haven't watched Frozen in a long time. Because I just think about that. <laughs> However, if you want a car sing-along of Love is an oh. Open Door, hit us up, because yeah. we'll do that anytime. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister and I will do that with you. Oh. <laughs> Alrighty, so what are what is your favorite movie or movies? Um, again, I separated into three categories. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, for animated, as a kid, because I was, I'm a boy, I mean, Aladdin was one of my favorites he's ba and for a while i was obsessed with the lion king i could recite every line of the entire movie (laughs) went to go see the musical twice (laughs) when it came to town and now that i'm getting older i find a goofy movie has become one of my favorites Um, especially because there's like my dad is older so that whole father-son connection kind of like every time I watch it, I a little tear runs yeah. down my face. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And then for the live action, I have to say Mary Poppins because as a kid, my sister and I used to go to my grandmother's a lot, and we would watch Ben Knobs and Broomsticks, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and Mary Poppins all the time. That is such a classic lineup at grandparents, like for people our age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's a classic. And then I went to go see Saving Mr. Banks with my mom and dad, and I just fell in love with it more. And now mm-hmm. I can't wait for Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, I'm excited. Same. It looks really mm-hmm. great. I think they're going to do yeah. it justice. I hope. I think they are. Yeah. And then Pixar, Toy Story 3. I mean, my childhood was Toy Story, so. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question about that. How do you feel about Toy Story 4? They should have ended it with 3. Yeah. But, I mean, Pixar has only had 2, 3 misses, in my opinion. Yeah. Cars, Cars 2, and Good Dinosaur. <laughs> I like Cars. Cars I mean, the first two, Cars is I okay, agree. but is Cars not. 2 is, yeah. But Cars, I love Cars, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Good Dinosaur, which I won't. I won't say the name, but I happen to know somebody who works at Pixar, and uh, they gave us a tour of the place, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, but even this person <laughs> said, "We're like, oh, you know, we've never seen the Good Dinosaur," and she just shook her head. She's like, "No, no, don't, don't, don't. You don't. You, don't, you don't need to." I was like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." <laughs> I find that movie is like eye candy for little kids. 
Yeah, I it's, could see that. It's yeah, not really I think they just really wanted to do a dinosaur movie and try to like bring it home with like an American kind of backstory. Yeah. And it just didn't make Flopped. that connect. It was just too much of a juxtaposition. Well, yeah. as we know with Walt, not everything is golden. Pixar's amazing, but not everything's going to be a number They're one. They're gonna hit. have their misses. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have faith in Toy Story Four, but like three just seemed like the perfect ending for me, so we'll see what happens. I'll complain but. about it till mm-hmm. the end of time, but you know my butt's gonna be in that theater oh, yeah. watching. On it. opening yeah. day. <laughs> I will be there on opening day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kelsey, how about you? Okay, um, so I've kind of broken it down in three categories, too. Animation, live action, and Pixar. Perfect. Um, so my favorite movie that's animated that I go back to over and over and over again is actually Alice in Wonderland, because that's one that I found on my own and that I developed a love for. Um, mainly, I fell in love with the art direction, because it's Mary mm-hmm. Blair. Yeah. Um, and I fell in love with the book itself. Like, I've read the two stories... I'm going to say over 10 times. So, I love Mary Blair. Shout out to Mary Blair. She's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Um, and then for live action uh, would be, again, like Terry Mary Poppins. Um, like I said, it was one of the few VHSs in our house. My grandparents had it as well. Um, my Nana actually has still the original... Um, Clamshell? Music score. Oh, my oh, bad. Cool. I thought you were talking so about the VHS. So she played it on the piano. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So, like, oh. the music is just something that we sing over and over. And um, since music's big in my family, um, Walt having his favorite song be in that movie is just an additional little tidbit that's amazing. And Julie Andrews is, like, queen to me. So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. And then for Pixar Inside Out, I have never been more connected with a Pixar film until then. Every other one was beautiful. They had deep emotional themes, um, but Inside Out just hit a chord. So, I've always said I think Inside Out is more of an adult movie than a kid movie. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's great. That's the beauty Mm -hmm. of Pixar. Well, Disney in general, but especially Pixar. Yeah. Yeah. They have it, they make it, like, beautiful and, like, cute and like attention grabbing for kids but there's such a depth for adults as well so you can just love it your entire life (laughs) Mm -hmm. but I will say with the emotions um, because I used to work at a preschool and so they knew the movie and so we started talking more about our emotions and um, trying to redirect and have um, proper proper expression because all emotions are okay to express and they knew what emotion was from those characters. That's awesome. So it was like a visual to something that you couldn't necessarily see. Yeah. So it was really helpful for a lot of kids. That's awesome. I never thought of that before. Yeah. Like there's a whole little like wheel thing and yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Very cool. All right. To sadly move away from that because that was a really good conversation. (laughs) Um, What would you say is your favorite Disney park? Um, I'm gonna have to go with Magic Kingdom. I mean, you got Splash Mountain, you got Big Thunder Mountain, you got Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, mm-hmm. uh, Jungle Cruise, Haunted Mansion. I mean, those are all my favorite rides. Mm-hmm. But Epcot is very close behind. Epcot is great. I love Epcot way more now than I used to. Yeah, for sure. Especially now with all these festivals that they're yes. doing, it just makes it amazingly fun. 
I just read uh, yesterday that apparently Canada Vision 360 is getting an update. Ooh, so finally, I did read that as well. Very yes. cool. New I movie. mean, being Canadian, I want to see that update. And <laughs> a Beauty and the Beast sing-along is coming to the France Pavilion. Yeah, I saw what? that. Yep, that's exciting. Man, France is getting a lot. Ratatouille and Beauty and the Beast. Let me tell you, that, <coughs> that Ratatouille, Ratatouille ride, ride is going to be worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, we went on it in Paris. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exact clone, right? I believe I think so. so, yeah. But I think they're naming it something different because they just announced the name yesterday and I can't remember. But I'm guessing it's just the English version of whatever they call it right. in Disneyland Paris. But All right, how about you, Kelsey? Um, so my favorite park would also be Magic Kingdom. Um, when I went with my family, we only had four days, and we went back to the Magic Kingdom mm -hmm. as our last day. Um, I just have a lot of really great memories <laughs> there. <laughs> um, like seeing the Swiss Family Robinson tree and going on Splash Mountain, uh, going on Space Mountain. Um, unfortunately, though, when I was at the park, the two rides that I wanted to go to one was being renovated, which was Haunted Mansion. Oh, no. And the other one was shut down because they were working out some kinks. And that was, it's a small world. Oh, oh no. That never <laughs> happens, too. That one's always up. I love Halloween. It's, it's my holiday. So Haunted Mansion was just, I wanted to go. And yeah. small world, Mary Blair. Yeah. Oh, God. No. But I'm going back one oh, day. Yeah. <laughs> you'll go totally. back and you'll see it and it'll be amazing yes, yes. I'm excited for the future <laughs> <laughs> one day should go 2021 50th anniversary yes, yes. I have a new goal yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll be there some point oh yeah probably a yeah, I'm hoping to as well <sighs> alrighty so what is your favorite Disney memory uh, well, uh, I think it was during the uh, Davy Crockett, one of the Davy Cro Crockett episodes, uh, you read my one about meeting Goofy and Max mm -hmm. yes. at Hollywood mm -hmm. Studios. Um, but another one from that same trip or the end of that trip, uh, my family and I, we were at the airport and my niece um, takes a while to warm up to me. <laughs> Because, like, I only met her when she was two. And, like, uh, she's really shy. So, we were in the airport, and we were walking to the terminal. And I asked her, can Uncle Terry be Gaston? And she said no. So I asked her why, and she said, because Gaston is mean, and Uncle Terry is not mean. Aww. And my heart just melted. I was like, oh. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. Oh, that's so that's one of my favorite Disney memories. That's cute. Yeah. It's not super Disney, but yeah, it's no, cute it's and Disney related. I, I love those kind of memories because they're yeah. connected, you know, but they're like different. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Kelsey? Um, so you also already read mine, and I think it was on a Davy Crockett episode. <laughs> How funny! <laughs> Terry, you and I have a lot of things to come <laughs> Yeah, um, so I have another one. It's a little different, like a connection. Um, so like I said, I used to work at a preschool. Um, I don't anymore. Um, I'm actually doing what I went in school for. 
Um, but the experience I had was amazing. And when I first started out, I've had worked with kids before, but I'd never been in a classroom with that many young children because it's between the ages of um, two to four and a half or whatever. And um, they're just raw energy. That's the best way to explain it. <laughs> and it's very hard to get all of all of their attentions. <clears throat> like you may get most, but there's definitely going to be some stragglers. And so we were trying to kind of organize and do circle or do something. And so uh, I'm new. And so they're like, Kelsey, you, you take over. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> so was, okay, you guys want to sing a song? And that was when the Frozen craze was still in procession. So it was like 2014. And these kids still know about Elsa. <laughs> and um, I'm like, oh, what song do you want to sing, guys? Thinking like Old MacDonald or, you know, Wheels on the Bus, something, you know, kiddish. And they're like, sing, let it go. I'm like, oh, you're so lucky. I know this song. And how this be inducing it? So I sang it for them. And every single kid sat there and watched me sing it. Oh, and great. so that was my connection of how I, you know, was able to like help these kids and, and, um, and be able to teach them. So I did it through music and a lot of the music was Disney. Um, and there was one little girl in particular who started out, you couldn't even walk past her. She was so shy. Like she would just didn't want people around nothing. And by the time she graduated, which was, my last year of being there, she could have full conversation with people. She would sing Let It Go still to the top of her lungs. She would be the <laughs> loudest singer in that class. And so it was Disney and music that helped this one child. So that was beautiful to me. That's so sweet. Man, it, mm. there's just, you know, and people who aren't Disney fans don't get it but if you say this to disney fans like there's literally a magic that comes with disney and it strikes every single age it can help a shy kid it can help a shy adult it can bring families together like you don't get it unless you get it <laughs> mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah and that's a perfect example yeah i love disney obviously mm -hmm. What you do? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, I had no I idea. I know it's. I never would have guessed. Shocking revelation <laughs> of the day. All right. So, I almost skipped over the thirty-second Disney dash because I was scrolling too far <laughs> on the document. All right, so it's time. Oh wait, wait what are I we guess, discussing? I guess I should tell everybody the movie that we're wait, gonna so talk about. You like Disney. Do I you, like Disney, do you run a Disney podcast? and today we're going to be discussing Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Which, for all those who are waiting with bated breath for my review of the movie, if they want to watch it or not, <laughs> I liked it. So, I highly recommend sitting down and watching it. Mm -hmm. Much better than Sword in the Rose. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes Kelsey. It, it actually had a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which Did I was really? shocked at. Wow. It does. What? That's awesome. I know. What? Go Darby Go. Yeah. Go Darby so. Go. <laughs> If it's you want to listen Irish to charm. some tomatoes, go watch it. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, I liked it. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing it again to absorb it more. I agree. You and I mean? want to watch that, like, about the movie movie that yes. was there. It was no like time. a behind the scenes of Darby O'Gill. You <laughs> mean the, <laughs> the, one that, <laughs> the one that Disney did? I think so. Oh, they, the, like, talk about how they filmed it, right? 
Is that? But there was one, a part of his show prior to the release of the movie Maybe that he is. talked about getting the I bet you that's what it is, but it was just like listed separately. Like when I, so when I searched Darby O'Gill on Amazon to watch this, a second thing came up in the description of it was like behind the scenes of Darby O'Gill. Yeah. Um, I think that might have been what I watched because I watched, I captured the King of the Leprechauns. That, and that yeah, was that. Yeah. 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 So I did yeah. watch that. Perfect. Yes. So we have the view. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to watch that. We didn't have time, but yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, highly <laughs> recommend. So on that note, it's time for the 30 second Disney dash. Mm-hmm. Are you starting us off? We'll see how As well always. I can do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I feel nervous now because like I liked the movie, but I also was kind of lost with the plot for part of it. So then I was like trying to figure it out for a lot of it. So this could just kind of be a super scattered 30-second Disney dash. Sorry, guys. Those are the best. <laughs> you ready? No, hold on. Let me gather my thoughts. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'll just do it. Leprechauns. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Okay. On your mark. <laughs> Get set. Darby finds the king of the leprechauns and asks for three wishes, but then he gets tricked into get asking for a fourth and he loses all of his wishes. Then you go to Darby and he is uh, like a gamekeeper kind of, and then but they say that he's too old, so they want him to retire, and then in comes Michael, mm-hmm. and he wants to train him. They have two weeks. He won't tell Katie, and then he gets caught by the leprechauns, but then he catches the leprechaun, and then Katie gets eaten by a banshee or something, and then it's over. Wow, but, 30 seconds. <laughs> but there's more. I just kind of had to end it. <laughs> I gave her the look, like I got my eyes all wide, and she was like, Ugh. it just started going really fast. I just ended it. Sorry, I that's not the ending. <laughs> you wrapped that up real oh good at the end there. Oh, God. I okay. didn't even say who Katie was. Okay, who wants to do better than me? <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> you want to go, Kelsey? Yes. Okay. Just get it out of the way. By the end of uh, thirty second Disney dashes, like everybody's usually like sweating and like just ready <laughs> no, to move and then, on. Like, and... and then they're like all relaxed, and then it's all good. Yeah. True. Okay. All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. Okay. Lord Fitzpatrick brings McBride, who's to replace Darby O'Gill, and we see Darby O'Gill in the pub where he's telling the story about the leprechaun. Uh, So he runs up and he goes and realizes that he's got kicked out in like two weeks, and he's like, don't tell Katie! Don't tell Katie! (laughs) And so um, he wants, and it goes to get the horse, and then he falls down the well, Alice in Wonderland style, to the leprechauns, and they're all dancing, and he totally can't leave, and he tricks them and runs out, then tricks the king into giving him three more wishes, and he kind of like uh, <laughs> you went over <laughs> I'm sorry she looked up like oh, so offended you you <laughs> buzzered her <laughs> I always hate being the one that has to do the buzzer because you never do sorry it's your job that was really good though <laughs> was. that was much more in depth than mine uh, that's for sure so detailed <laughs> I should have just been like Leprechaun three Bride <laughs> <laughs> and everyone sings a Irish sing along at the end. <laughs> See, that was great. That was like five seconds. There you go. You made up for it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I'm redeemed. <laughs> Terry, would you like to go next or last? Uh, I guess I'll get 
get it out of the way. Alright. <laughs> Brave. Am I gonna have to do the buzzer on you? I hope not. Yesterday <laughs> I did it, it was like 26 seconds. So <laughs> it's different when you're actually doing it, because like, you get really nervous and you start tripping over your words. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, on your mark. Get set. Go. Darby gets told by the Lord that he is being replaced. The King of Leprechauns kidnaps him. Darby escapes and tricks the King to drink till morning when his powers don't work. Daughter finds out that most uh, they have to move and almost dies trying to get the horse. Darby uses this his last wish to take her place and then uh, take her place on the death coach. Uh, tricked again by the King to make a fourth wish, wish, which cancels out the other witches and they live happily ever after with his daughter and his new son-in-law, Sean Connery. 27. Nice, nice. That was good. Good job. I was real nervous about that. You survived. Now you can breathe and just, you know, go along with the episode. Katie, that that Disney dash looks a little long. Are you going to go over? No. Okay. Ready? Yep. Set. Go. Darby O'Gill is getting old, and James Bond has come to take his job and place. Darby captures the King of the Leprechauns, determined with a plan to use his three wishes to make his daughter Katie and himself happy. There's a really annoying guy named Pony and his mom, real charmers. Look out, there's a banshee. Katie comes within an inch of her life, but Darby uses his last wish to have death take him instead of her, but the King of the Leprechauns pulls a trick, but a good one this time, and saves Darby's life. Pony gets a good punch to the face, and Darby, Katie, and James Bond live happily ever after. James Bond. That was amazing. <laughs> 23 seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Well. I know I missed a lot in there, though. Mine was the worst because I said that Katie <laughs> dies in the end, so there's that. You said yeah. she died? Well, well I, I said, said she gets, like, gets eaten by a banshee. Oh, that needs yeah. to be said. <laughs> oh, God. And you mentioned James Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course. All right. Sean Connery. So... <clears throat> some history about Darby O'Gill. It is a film from 1959. From almost out of the 50s. Almost out of the 50s from Walt Disney Productions. Uh, it stars Albert Sharp, Jeanette Monroe, Sean Connery, and Jimmy O'Day mm-hmm. in a tale about a wily Irishman and his battle of wits with leprechauns. Wily is such a good description of Darby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the film was directed by Robert Stevenson, and the screenplay was written by Lawrence Edward Watkin, and it was a slight modification. Okay, so the film's title was a slight modification of one of the two Kavanaugh books that it's based off of, Darby O'Gill and the Good People, and the other book is The Ashes of, o- the Ashes of Old Wishes and Other Darby O'Gill Tales. Yes, Kelsey. I did end up listening to the audiobook of Darby O'Gill and the Good People. Was it good? And there is, um, so it's a collection of stories. Okay. Which is very interesting about how Darby kind of fraternizes with the uh, fair folk and how he kind of, like, you know, gets out of getting in trouble. So pretty much the film. It's yeah. interesting, though, how they took bits and pieces out and made it into, like, a consistent storyline. Mm-hmm. Got it. Made it one story as opposed to a bunch of little ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Look at this girl doing her research. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so the development of the film began with a visit to Ireland and the Irish Folklore Commission by... 
Disney and Associates in 1947, so they did quite a bit of planning for this movie. Yeah. Um, On the film's initial release, A.H. Weiler of the New York Times praised the cast, save Connery, whom he described as merely tall, dark, and handsome, (laughs) and thought the film was an overpoweringly charming concoction of standard Gaelic tall stories, fantasy, and romance. That's a nice review. I find it funny, though, that he they didn't like Connery when... Well, you'll tell us the fun fact about this. I mean, you could say it if you want. When this movie is what got him his role in Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Film critic and historian Leonard Maltin, in his book, The Disney Films... Sorry. States Darby O'Gill and the Little People is not only one of Disney's best films, but is certainly one of the best fantasies ever put on film. He rated the movie so highly that in a later article, he included it among a list of lesser known outstanding Disney films. Wow. Good for you, Walt. Because I I feel like poor, poor guy, Mm -hmm. like he finds these stories that he truly loves. This one maybe I think he just works better with fantasy because yeah. you have those other ones that are more like historical myths and that kind of stuff that he loved and thought would be like a great story to tell but like it didn't I mean it doesn't didn't resonate with us personally and I don't think it resonated with a lot of other people but as soon as he gets that fantasy touch I mean that's where he needs to be because mm-hmm. that's where it shines. I think yeah. it took him I mean he clearly already knows at this point that he shines in animation. Mm-hmm. Like that's already a known fact. With his live actions though, and this is just my personal opinion, um once we start getting out of this era of like historical live action films, not that they're bad, but once we get into more of like like you said the fantasy or like you know like the shaggy dog or Pollyanna, The Parent Trap, there's, like, humor in the movies. It's more so about, like, a a storytelling than, like, a historical story. He does better in those live-action films than he does in... I mean, like, Robin Hood was good. I'm trying to think of, like, historical ones. But there was humor in the Robin Hood movie, you know? And, like, mm-hmm. I think that that kind of is partially what made that one do better than some of the others. Stand out more. Yeah. yeah. Kelsey, go ahead. Um, to add on your point, because I think it's 100%, is that the historical plot lines have a lot of limitations. Yeah. So being historically accurate, where when he pulls a fictional story, even if it doesn't have um, fantasy in it, it has charm and whimsy, which he just excels at. Mm-hmm. So having those in the story as a creative outlet for him, he just thrived. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and <laughs> I also point. think that, so there's... There's a lot of talk and stories about how Walt may have been racist or, like, I, and I think that the, I personally think that one of the only reasons why that is even, like, a conversation with Walt is because of the historical films he tries to do historically accurate. He tries to be historically accurate, and by doing that, you kind of have to come across that way because that is historically accurate. However, people then view that as... Well, he must be racist. He must view these things that way if that's how he's doing it. He could... I mean, he was insensitive at some points in some of the films that we've talked about in the 50s and stuff like that. Um, Mm. But I think that his intentions were always there 
to just have it be historically accurate. He didn't take time to, like, take a step back and look at the project overall and be like, is this historically accurate or is this going to come across as insensitive? I don't think he always did that with the historic films. And I think that that's partially why he's viewed that way by some people. Because once you see him come into these roles of fantasy, um, it's not quite there as much. I'm not saying it's totally gone in all of the films, because, like, you know, like Peter Pan, that was a little bit rough in some parts, but, <laughs> um, yeah. But it's better than the historically accurate live actions. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm on your side always, Meg. I'm always on (laughs) your side. You don't have to be. Why? I don't want people to think we're just on the same side because we're married. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. We we have disagreements. I also don't want it to come across as me making excuses for Walt in that aspect, but... Just to, like, try and put some perspective into, like, his thinking. No, I could see it. I mean, and, you know, when you're directing something in the moment and you're living in that time period where, you know, people thought these things that aren't correct, you're not going to see them as wrong also. I think that what made me realize or what made me, like, think about that was we did The Light in the Forest, which personally... It's not the best politically correct movie. <laughs> it's it's it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um but like looking at the facts about that movie, like he really did try. He had like an actual person from a tribe come in and help with the costumes and like help with that like that aspect of the film. So like it makes me feel like his intentions were there. But it just kind of falls short sometimes, even though, like, he tries. Sometimes it doesn't come across the best. I agree. Mm -hmm. But this movie did better. And all of the fantasy movies do better, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. The Great Walt Defender. But I also don't want to come across as like defending no, racism. I know, I know. <laughs> like it's, I mean, it's like a really I don't hard. Think you do. It's a hard like. It's a hard line. plank to walk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're we're walking through this. We're walking through history with Walt right now, and just you know, we're seeing it for the first time, kind of like everybody else did. So we're learning along the way. I mean, we might get into the seventies and be like, oh no, this was actually really racist. You know what I mean? Who knows? So we're learning along the way, which is kind of exciting. Yeah, it's a progression. All right, fun facts. Are they fun this time? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes they're not. I know. Sometimes she calls them just facts. No, like today, with Light in the Forest, they were just facts. They were definitely <laughs> just facts, but these are fun because it's Darby O'Gill. So, so this movie was released actually one year after the copyrights had expired on the stories by Kavanaugh. Hermini? Hermini. Not Hermione. Yeah. Nope, Hermini Templeton Hermini. Kavanaugh. Okay. I think her name should have been Hermione. I don't know where <laughs> uh, her parents fell short on that one. They missed a letter. One letter. Oh, she hit in the dock. It's a typo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Clearly. Um, so it was released on a bill with a Donald Duck cartoon called Donald in Math Magic Land. I don't know what that is, but it's kind of cool that huh. we still have, like, 
we see that in Pixar. Like, there's always, like, a little short, little short in the beginning. So it's kind of cool that this was still happening back in the 50s. Um, so Walt had seen Albert Sharp, who plays Darby O'Gill, in a stage production of Finian's Rainbow. I love that. I've never seen it. Oh, I love it. In, ni- in the 1940s, and he kept him in mind for the role of Darby. So this was clearly something that Walt had planned to do for a very long time. Um, by the time he began casting uh, the film a decade later, Albert Sharp had actually retired from filming. So Disney had to convince him to come out of retirement to do this. So he was filming this movie before the copyrights, like, were over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, preparing for it to end and then just dropped it as soon as they ended. <laughs> That's great. That's very Walt. <laughs> also, Finian's Rainbow is a stage play that, I got. I haven't seen it in a really long time, but it came to Cleveland, like, years and years ago, and I remember absolutely loving it. But it kind of is, like, a folklore type play... I don't think there's leprechauns in it, per se. There might be, because it's rainbow. Okay, I think there might be. I think it's, like, an Irish story. It was really cute, though. I remember really liking it. I should see it again, so I actually know the plot, but it was good. <laughs> well, that's where we got Darby from. Um, so, the leprechaun effects in the movie, they look very high-tech and complicated, but most <laughs> of them were really simple. It was They did it by placing a normal size actor closer to the camera and then the tiny ones closer to the camera than the tiny ones and then lining them up on the same horizontal plane through the lens so the distance couldn't be detected so that's known as forced perspective they do this in harry potter mm-hmm. yes kelsey had her hand terry first. you go first uh, i was gonna say that um lord of the rings does the same thing with the hobbits yes yes yeah. Um, the thing with Darby O'Gill is the reason that it was so good um, was because of the amount of lighting that they used. And then I found an article about how Darby O'Gill uh, can be found in the parks. What? And one of them. What? Yeah. Yeah. So one of them mentioned the force perspective um, because they're used in the castles. Why the, oh. the bricks at the base are bigger and then they kind of taper smaller as you go further up. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool that they oh. kind of tied that in. Mm-hmm. They did that even more with Bell's Castle in New Fantasyland than oh, like yeah. the actual yes. castle. That one, one hundred percent. That they was also listed. they also do that with Hogwarts Castle at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still haven't been there. It's amazing. Me Let's all go together, and then we'll go to Disney. <laughs> It'll be. A I'm a Disney movie. person, but Universal changed me when they brought Harry Potter there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there are no trips to Florida where Without we just go to one now. or the other. I know, it used to just be Disney, and now vacationing in Florida is all different. Mm-hmm. More um, expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, so the lighting used to make sure the actor- actors were kept in proper perspective without seeming false used up so much electricity it blew out a substation in Burbank Oh my god! when the lights were turned on without warning. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oh, but it's just so the leprechauns. <laughs> what was that? Griswold. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. That's the perfect time of year, too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so Jimmy O'Day and the other actors who played the leprechauns weren't given any screen credit. Now, this sounds bad until I get into the other part of this. Um, nor did Walt want allow any other material to be published about them 
in the marketing for the film. So his intention for this was to give the illusion that he was using real leprechauns for the filming. If this isn't Walt Disney, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, he even went as far as to film um, the Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color episode, I Captured the King of the Leprechauns, which I believe Kelsey watched, in which he and Darby, Albert Sharp, managed to corner King Brian and convince him to participate in the film along with his people. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So the part I really liked about watching it was he was talking to, I guess, one of his friends about, you know, possibly doing a film about a leprechaun, like how could he get one? And um, I, I love what his friend said to him. He's like, Disney, you're a perfectionist with a nimble mind. Go to Ireland. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it was really cute because he was talking to um, like a folklore historian and uh, he's like, could I bring it home in a shoebox? Oh it's cute. It's really cute. Everyone will just see it as a rabbit, right? Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So in Irish legend, this is just like a, uh, I guess his way of doing historical accuracy. Um. Whenever there's a banshee, the banshee's often seen combing her hair as she approaches. Um. So although it's kind of difficult to see because of the effect, she is in fact combing her hair as she comes towards Darby. And I saw that in the film. I was like, oh, it's not that hard to see actually. I always any (laughs) as soon as we saw the banshee, I thought I'm really sorry, guys. I'm just bringing a lot of Harry Potter references today. But I thought of there are no apologies. Seamus Finnegan, like mentioning it in Goblet of Fire, how Harry might have to like fight a banshee (laughs) in the (laughs) Triwizard Tournament. Because that's what he's afraid of. Like, that's the Bogart, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, and Seamus is Irish. So, Mm -hmm. like, it's just is the connection that he brings up the whole idea of, like, interacting with a banshee. Because, like, that's his... That's his folklore. Yeah, that's his folklore. And and that's, like, like, folklore is so big with uh, rolling as well. So, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't she pull something from Ireland that's just rich with folk legend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I actually really liked, I guess this um, this technique for the Banshee was called Chroma Key. I actually really liked it. Like, yeah, you know, it's old technology. Clearly it's not something you would see today, but I thought it was really cool. Like, it was eerie. You knew it was some kind of ghostly creature. It I got thought it was really neat. Across. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Because they did that on the horse, too, didn't they? Sort of, yeah. Whenever it was, like, leading you, you could tell, like, the horse was, like, turning blue. I was like, what is going on with the horse? <laughs> Yes, Terry. <laughs> um, the Nostalgia Critic, um, also known as, or his real name is Doug Walker, also known as the Nostalgia Critic, he put the Banshee scene as his n- top uh, 11 scariest moment, nostalgic moment, uh, when he first started making videos. Yeah, it, it uh, is scary. It is scary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I thought that, I, I mean, for that time. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, Kelsey. I didn't realize it was used on the horse. Um, I was just like, oh, it's blue. Um, <laughs> but a thing about the horse, um, the reason why it's like a different color is because it's actually a fair creature. So it's not actually the horse. Oh. So he mentions it later in the film, but it's called a polka or a puka. And basically it's this horse that when you're kind of, you know, having some grown up drinks or whatever. Um, it carry you get on the horse, and it just takes you for a wild ride. Huh. I love that. That makes so much so more that's sense. That's why he's freaked out when he sees that the horse is blue, because he's like, "Oh, it's a poker." 
I like that. Yeah, that's neat. Um, as Mag mentioned before, this is the film that brought Sean Connery to the attention of, get this name, Albert Broccoli, <laughs> um, who then went on to cast Connery in his most famous role as James Bond in Dr. No of 1962. So I'm a James Bond fan because my grandpa was an enormous James Bond fan, as was my dad, so like I grew up with it. So I've always loved Sean Connery because, I'm sorry, he was the best one. Fight me. <laughs> um... So I thought that was really cool to see him in this, like, super young. Um, we were watching this with our friend, and I was like, check it out, it's Sean Connery. He's like, really? Because, like, he's just <laughs> so young in this movie. I think it's also just <laughs> shocking to see, like, such... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but it's it's uh, interesting to see, like, such famous people sometimes come up in these, like, early Disney films yes. before they're really known. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, it's just neat. I think Kelsey was mentioning how he has glorious hair in this one. <laughs> he does. His eyebrows, too. He's got are, some wicked eyebrows. Yeah. Man. He still does, though. I was waiting for him to have his, like, but it's not there yet. So that develops later in life, I guess. <laughs> he was also doing an Irish accent, not his usual Scottish. Yes. True. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was something else you told me. You're like, Sean Connery's actually Scottish, not Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the death of... Kyron Moore, who played Pony Sugru um, back in July of 2007. Sean Connery is now the film's last surviving cast member. Who's Pony? He was the, like, really rough and tough dude. Oh, the annoying guy? Yeah. Oh, I don't (laughs) like him? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then... How old is Sean Connery? Good question. I don't know. Really old? Really old? (laughs) I don't know why, like, I didn't realize he was really old. I don't know. He is, My yeah. mind, I, I don't, I'm not good at actors and stuff, I just... He's pretty old. Okay. That's all I gotta know. Been around a long time. So, when I was looking up fun facts for this, I found this article from the Daily oh Edge God, called fun. Six Biggest WTF Moments from Darby O'Gill and the Little People. <laughs> <laughs> so, I thought it would just be, like, funny to just go through these real quick. Um, so number one is Sean Connery singing, and it says, who knew old eyebrows had it in him? <laughs> Speaking of eyebrows. We have to post this. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I actually saw this fun fact, and I might get this wrong, but it's, there's somewhere where, like, there's an alleged, um, that he didn't actually sing, that it was hmm. someone else, but I don't know. I think it was him. I'm going to stick on Sounded Sean's like side. Him. Yeah. Terry, yes. It was definitely dubbed, but it did sound like him, so... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's said that it was, like, dubbed by some Irish singers or something, I'm not sure. Hmm. I don't know. Come on, let Sean have his moment. Does he ever <laughs> sing again? I don't know. Also, yeah. I looked it up. Uh, Sean Connery is 88 years old. Jeez. Ooh, go, Sean! Oh, yeah. Huh. And he was, like... I don't know if he's still making movies, but he, like, I know he was just, no. he uh, he retired. He did, like, a couple more Indiana Jones, um, but I don't know if he's been in anything after that. He's in Indiana Jones? He's his dad. Yeah, he's the dad. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Meg, Ooh, I yeah. need to educate you on your Connery. I'm sorry. I know a lot of other random facts about actors that I don't need to know, but See, you older know, actors. You know more recent. I know more older. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Oh, I could tell you. I could tell you pretty much any actress's kid's name, <laughs> but I don't know how old Sean Connery is. 
It's okay. We still love you. You want to know Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck's kids' names? I could tell you. Oh, my God. She could. She could. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, WTF moment number two. This never-ending fiddle scene. Come on, old man. We know you're not really playing. Oh, yeah. That was really obviously bad that he wasn't playing. It kind of, that was the one thing that kind of annoyed me. I'm like, oh. Just don't show his fingers, like, just hop right. around. Like, just, <laughs> just show his face, because, like, his yeah. facial expression is like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And his laugh But, like, even playing. his face, uh, whenever I see somebody fiddle, they ha- always have it, like, right up against their neck. And he had it, like, yeah. almost on his shoulder. Yeah. 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 Um, they tried. Yeah. <laughs> Number three, we have the horrifying Banshee. And the little caption is, is she on me? I feel like she's on me. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have the even more horrifying death coach, which was really scary. Um, I don't know how I would have felt about that, watching this as a kid. It kind of reminded me of the coach in Crimes of Grindelwald with the Thestrals pulling it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's good. I did have nightmares of it as a kid. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, granted... That's frightening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we have the ultimate terror of the ghostly horse that we talked about. <laughs> um, and then we have... I looked at you and I was like, what is going on with that horse? She really thought, like, she's like, what's wrong with the lighting? Like, what's wrong with the TV? I'm like, no, oh, she's like... Spo- it's supposed to be like that. <laughs> they give you no, like, pretense of what it actually is. So you're right. like, oh. Right, right. <laughs> this horse is tripping out or something. This is the last one, yeah. And then we have the uh, soundtrack. So there, there are two versions of the film's ch- soundtrack. A number of the Irish actors, including Darby and Brian, King of the Leprechauns, were dubbed when it was decided that their Irish accents would be too difficult for American audiences to understand. Um, and in the trailer, you can hear an actor's voice dubbed over King Brian, played by Jimmy O'Day. Huh. So they did do dubbing for sure. Who knows if Sean really sang or not, but I'm going to be on his side and say yeah. He did. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Those are my fun facts. Yes, Terry. Um, back to um, the nostalgia critic. Um, he does D- Disney Sember, and the second time he d- did Disney Sember, he covered Darby O'Gill, and that's actually what made me want to sign up for this movie. That's cool. Uh, if you could like share that in the group or something, that yeah. would be cool. I would like to watch yeah. it. Yeah, that'd be I'll awesome. post it after we're done recording. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I have another fun fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was <laughs> a man called Peter Ellenshaw, and oh, he yes. was a matte painter. How did I not find this as a fun fact? I love this guy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I really look for, like, um, kind of, like, the background artists, and especially in live-action films. They kind of get the undercut. Mm-hmm. And so he is just a Disney legend. He joined in uh, 1947, and he did, like, he was there for 30 years. And so in Darby O'Gill, a lot of the um, the scenery that you see, so, like, the backdrop of the village and uh, the, uh, the ruins at the top of the hill, those are all matte drawings. So he painted on the glass, and then it's put in front. And even, like, all of the, um, I'm going to butcher how you say this, those stikes, those things that come down from the ceiling of the cave. Oh, so again. Slag tights. The lag night. 
I got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then he actually was nominated with his time with Disney for like five Academy Awards. And he, I think he only won one. Oh, he did but it. He, yeah. He's done it for a lot of the films. Mm-hmm. And yeah. You're... So a lot of the really good live action films within this time period that we have a lot of nostalgic value towards, he was a part of the matte painting process or was overseeing it. There was a scene, and I don't remember which one it was. It was just, like, showing the village, and I was like, Meg, that's a painting. Like, you can see it, and, like, we look for that because we've been seeing a lot of Ellen Shaw's work, and, like, yeah, what we, was we're forced to see it because, you know, we look at these facts. But I was like, oh, my God, I can see it. It's there, but it looks so real. And the one, like, my so far, my favorite movie that he's done is um, oh, the one that's in Boston. <laughs> Takes... It's Johnny Tremaine. Johnny Tremaine. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I love. Yeah, I loved the background paintings and Johnny Tremaine from him. Yeah. Wait for Mary Poppins. That's going to be his best one because that's what he won the Academy Award for. Ooh, Exciting. Yes. Yeah. So I'm not going to say anything about it, but okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We that's love. We love him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you for bringing that up because I. I have brought she told him up me every about time. it. Yeah, and then I didn't this time, so you saved me. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's talk about some of the characters. I, I kind of pared it down to just, like, the main four. Um, so first up is Darby, obviously. Uh, oh, you're adding another one? Oh, okay, because you want to talk about how much you don't like him? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Darby, uh, he is... He is a funny guy. <laughs> That's like my best first description of him. So it's like what you want an old dude to be like. Yes. So he is an old gamekeeper. I don't know if that's like the word that I'm going for, for what his job is. He takes care of the place. He has lived there forever with Katie, who's his daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. That age gap seemed weird to me. But anyway, um, so, <laughs> so they want to force him to retire um, and they bring in kind of an apprentice for two weeks for him to train. Uh, but he seems to be so he's a little bit greedy at times. That's like another characteristic of him. So he finds the leprechaun and he has two, he's had two chances with the leprechaun, right? So the first time he gets his three wishes and then he's tricked into asking for a fourth so mm-hmm. he loses everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he comes across the leprechauns again, and he's not going to be tricked again by this because he remembers that he'll lose it all. And he tries to, the, the king of the leprechauns tries to trick him. And he's like, oh, you have a memory. Do you, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to trick you this time. Um, but I really like Darby. Okay. I think that he is a very real character. Um I love his stories and, like, how everyone in the pub listens to him. And, like, half of them believe him and half, half of, of them, them don't. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, in the pub, like you were saying, the one guy's like, he's got a head on his shoulders like Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is, you know, it's, it's cute. Yeah. I like how, like, the bartender lady is totally on his side, like, believes in all the stories, which they're true. Yeah. Um, Keeps the little glass, yeah. like, up on the... Yeah, if anyone's going to deny this, that's the very glass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
but a house for Darby, a Hogwarts house, I kind of want to lean towards Slytherin a That's little bit. That's what I was going to say. Um, yeah. I was kind of thinking Ravenclaw. Mm. Because okay. he does a lot of things, and he's thinking prior, like, his idea to have McBride stay with them, I thought was brilliant, because if he goes into the inn, and people are like, whoa, where, you know, where are you from? Why are you here? and he tells them then Katie would find out sooner so if he controls where he is then he can't say anything so I just think that his thought process like there's always something ahead that's why I think he's Ravenclaw I can see that I can see it but my counter argument to Slytherin on that would be that plan is incredibly cunning (laughs) yeah so while yes, he is a step of step ahead of everybody, it's not like I don't know if a Ravenclaw would go about by capturing the Leprechaun and keeping them hostage. That's more of like a Slytherin <laughs> type trait where it's like, okay, well, I have this plan and I'm going to capture you. It's just like the plan itself is very cunning. While the plan works, like it's a good plan. I just think that, and it's ambitious of him to try and get the leprechaun to stay long enough for light time to come up, and also cunning, <laughs> and uh, then, like, the whole the whole thing with the cat, that was pretty cunning, too, how he had the cat come and, like, scare him into being like, I'm gonna I mean. let you get eaten. I don't know, he just kind of has this, like, edge to him a little bit, where it's like, I'm gonna get my way through whatever measures it takes, whether it's really the best way to do it, I'm not sure, but it's going to get the job done, and it's a little bit evil. <laughs> I'm going to go with Slitherclaw because of the cunningness, but he has a level of very, like, wise smarts behind it. Are you telling me I'm not smart? What? No, I'm saying that his is like a <laughs> crazy layer, and it pairs well with his Slytherin. Like it's, it just goes hand in hand. Yeah, it's You're just a matter of incredibly smart. It's just a matter of what people um, value. value value the most, and I think that his end game is getting his three wishes. Not I think mess- his end game was getting the three wishes for Katie. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. The first time was for greed. The second time was for Katie because mm-hmm. he asked her what she wanted. He didn't think of himself. He wanted it for her. That is true. Which, not saying a Slytherin wouldn't do something for someone they love. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can agree on Slytherclaw, but Slytherin first. <laughs> Which is why it's Slytherclaw and not Raverin. No, I'm saying mm-hmm. Slytherclaw. That's what I said getting testy over here let's move on <laughs> i'm not testy you're testy all right King. i just like that there's a good character who's very slytherin yeah and i can appreciate his his little bit of evilness because <laughs> he's just trying to do something good but he's got this like edge to his plans that's a little slytherin you know mm-hmm. i agree he's got a good outcome but his ways of getting there are a little questionable but it works Carrie, did you want to... I didn't mean to not have you say anything about Darby. Did you want to weigh in on his house? No, I, I agree. Slither, Slytherin, Slytherclaw. Yeah. I like Darby. He's like, I'm not getting involved. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm a Griffin Puff, so. <laughs> I'm a Hufflepuff. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, look at that. You're Hufflepuff? No. Oh. Griffin Puff, like oh, Terry. Yeah. You guys are so similar. Yeah, you guys are. Because <laughs> we're Canadian. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right, so King Brian. This is King of the Leprechauns, yes? Yes. Dude's funny drinks more than i think he would have died for real if he wasn't magic if he drank all that stuff yeah um that song they sing is hilarious to me because like they start saying things that don't even make sense and he just like keels over laughing laughing. (laughs) um super cunning as well because he's a leprechaun just likes to have a good time dancing and drinking and being the king of it all but i don't know where i would put him I but think he's, I think he's a Slytherin. I thought so too. Yeah. I was leaning towards Hufflepuff because I think leprechauns kind of fit the Hufflepuff hmm. aspect. I like that because, and I didn't even think of that because I was thinking Slytherin too. I like it because like he's kind of like um, a Sour Patch Kid. You know, like he's sour, but he can be sweet <laughs> as well. Yeah, uh-huh. and he does end up doing a really um, like he tricks Darby, but like for a good way at the end of the movie, you know? Yes, yeah. I loved that. I was like, oh, uh, yeah, like, what a oh, ending! He redeemed himself. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. I think uh, like, he's a little Hufflepuff's bit like, Oops, sorry. No, go for it. Uh, Hufflepuffs like to, like, party and eat and drink. <laughs> and that's basically the leprechaun way of life. It's true. <laughs> he's also very loyal to his... Um, court or like all the leprechauns yeah. but he's also very loyal to Darby because he's mm-hmm. like when he's making his final wish he's like you don't know what you're doing man like, do it. <laughs> and then he you know intercepts and just fixes it for him so I think mm-hmm. that loyalty to him as well I will gladly welcome King Brian to the common room I think he's a Hufflepuff with some Slytherin tendencies that's rare I, I would it's agree to one. that yeah yeah that is rare. Mm-hmm. He's a rare personality type. Well, okay. He's a rare being. He's a leprechaun. Truth. Uh, Michael McBride. <clears throat> James Bond. James Bond. Sean Connery. Um, I thought he was a Hufflepuff. A Hufflepuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'd say Gryffindor. Hmm. Man, we have not had... I love it. We've not had so many disagreements. I love this. <laughs> Usually everyone's like, yeah, I could see this. I mean, it might just be Sean Connery's charm, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, He just seems um, more like he has a brave side to him, like when he approaches Pony. Um, But he does seem much softer. He seems just like a soft, kind guy. Yeah, like I feel he has subtle strength. Yeah. But he was very loyal to Darby, not telling. But then he was very loyal to the consideration of Katie wanting to tell the truth. And he absolutely, like, every time I saw him, he's, like, eating something that Katie made. (laughs) He kind of reminds me of Neville, though, actually thinking about it a little bit, where, like, he's kind of understated in terms of, like, his Gryffindor traits leading up. But then, like, in the end, that he has that moment. And it, like, makes up for everything else. I feel bad for him because he, <laughs> I can I can see Hufflepuff in him because of this. He's kind of, like, thrust into this 
um, situation. situation and yeah. like he kind of just wants to like make everybody happy but he doesn't right. want to step on toes but like <laughs> he, he has to be yeah. here and he yeah. doesn't know what to do and he kind of just like goes along with it and then kind of finds himself in trouble and tries to make it better I relate to you Michael McBride <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I like he's I think he's kind of both he's very sweet I liked him as a character yeah and I can see how that fight scene at the end I was like oh this is what Mr. Broccoli saw and <laughs> right, decided yeah. to like, oh, make James him Bond. James Bond yeah because yeah, like the whole time we were because she told me that in the beginning and I'm like what about this role <laughs> gave him the opportunity for James Bond? But yeah, the fight scene at the end, he did really good with it. I was like, oh, I feel yeah. like I'm watching a Bond movie. Okay. <laughs> In Ireland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Katie O'Gill, Darby's daughter. Um, he had to have been like 70 years old when she was born, I think. Oh my God. <laughs> she's, she's 20. Yeah, I know. Which means he's like 90. He's old. <laughs> Well, I don't think they had hair dye back then, so maybe yeah. too, I don't know. Oh my god. Well, okay, so I liked her. Um, she <sighs> she could be a little spitfire if she wanted to be. She could be. be, yeah. And I liked that about her. Like she she played her role, but like when she wanted. I'm trying to... I don't know how to describe her. I'm, like, struggling here. I know what you're trying to say. I'm trying to put in the words for you, too. Like, she was... She can read my vibes. She knows what I'm trying to say. (laughs) She's the daughter. She listens. She, like, obeys her father. But if you tick her off... Yes. Like, she's not gonna just sit and be, um... What's the word? Is placent the word? When she doesn't need to be. Like, if she... She will follow along... Complacent, yeah. She'll follow along and be the good girl, but... She's not gonna just let people walk all over her at yeah. the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like a rebel with a cause. So she needs a yeah. good reason, right? To step up and be like, no, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think I would put her. I don't know. She... I'm gonna put her in Gryffindor. Yeah, that's what I thought. Because she kind of makes me think of a Lily, sort of a little bit. Lily Potter, but I don't know if that's just because she has red hair. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> no, I could see it. She's like a sweetheart, but don't make her mad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty, I'm done. I'm I'm here for it. <clears throat> All right, you want to talk about your favorite man? Ugh, no, he's not my favorite. Pony Sugru. No. No. And by he's a squib or a muggle. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's just yes. evil. He does not belong in the wizarding world. He makes me think of a Gaston. And he yeah. just thinks yeah. he's, like, the yeah. big brawny dude, and, like, he'll get the girl he wants, and he runs the town, and he runs the, like, he, everyone knows him at the end, and he thinks he's so cool. But, like, a lot of it stems from his mother. I don't think he would have been like that if his mom wasn't just like, my boy's the best, and you better do this. You should, you should 100%. slip on here. 100%. Like, he would not have thought of half that stuff mm-hmm. if his mom hadn't been, you know, like, Sleeking around yeah. to figure out how to get her son up at the gatehouse. So really, He's a then, product of his environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think um, his mom might be worse than him because yeah, he wouldn't be like that if it wasn't for her. So yeah. Yeah. I don't like her. <laughs> no. Well. No. Yeah, I'm gonna make them both squibs because I don't like them. Okay. I feel really bad. I feel like we're, we're that's like we're squib haters, and that's not true. Okay, then they're muggles. Yeah, <laughs> muggles. 
Vampire Hills. I don't want to be a muggle hater. <laughs> Are we, they on, are we on Grindelwald's side here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't think I don't think they deserve to be placed anywhere. We should say that they go to Darmstrang. I like that one. Yeah. Because yeah. that's just evil Darmstrang. people teaching the dark arts. <laughs> okay. Favorite character and scene in the movie. I think that my favorite character is King Brian. He is funny. Um, that drinking scene was just hilarious. I, <laughs> I, my favorite scene, I really like whenever um, Darby falls down the, what is that, like a well or yeah. something? He like falls down there and then he's... After the creepy flashy horse, yes. Yes. Um, and then he's down there and he's playing the fiddle and then... He, they all leave and he's trying to steal rubies and, rubies and treasure and stuff like that and then he's running and it's all falling out and then he gets out and he realizes there's a big hole in his pocket. He gets so mad. Yeah. I think that's my favorite scene. It was just it was cool. It was it was filmed really neat because like of the forced perspective and everything with like him being surrounded by the leprechauns for like this time period. I could just really appreciate that scene and, like, the work that went into it. And um, even though his fiddle playing was really fake, I still enjoyed <laughs> the joy that he felt while he was doing it. Um, and I just think his character kind of shined in there, how he was trying to steal and He's being running funny. to get out. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Um, I'll say my favorite character is Michael McBride, because I relate to him very hard. Um, and I just liked his character, he's just sweet and a good fit for the family, even though it didn't seem like that was going to be how it turned out. Mm -hmm. It ended up being happily ever after. Um, favorite scene, as far as humor goes, the drinking scene with makeup, that song. But then, like, actual favorite scene, I really liked the twist at the end, when, you know, you think Darby's gonna give up his life for his daughter, which he does, um, but then he's tricked in a good way to use his fourth wish and um the leprechaun turns out to be like a really good friend to him and saves his life and everything turns out for the better but i didn't see that coming i really thought that like he was gonna die and he was never gonna see his yeah. daughter again and um see how everything worked out so i thought that was sweet i agree who wants to go next um so i would say my favorite character is darby I just think he's so charismatic and he's just hilarious, even with his facial expressions, just mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the way he goes about and the fact that he just gets joy out of telling people stories. Like, that's why we love Disney. And so I just felt that that character had that real strong connection. Um, and then I really liked the fox chase. Because I love the fiddle. It was just really great. <laughs> and because you can just tell that he's not actually playing it. And then they kind of sped up the leprechaun. So they're like jumping yeah. <laughs> all over. And then they, when they're actually running to get their horses, the few leprechauns are like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, just run with everyone else. I'm going to jump on the cannon too. <laughs> it, it just was very whimsical and ridiculous at the same time. Yes. Um, and then I really loved the song that they all sing. Well, Katie and Bond sing. I just thought it was a really cute, catchy Bond. tune, and I just found myself singing it around because it was just catchy. Yeah. I like it. 
So my favorite character was uh, McBride because seemed like a nice guy, and it's Sean Connery. How can you not like Sean Connery? Exactly. Um, and then like my favorite scene is Darby playing for the Leprechauns, um, and the fight scene at the end because Pony got knocked out. <laughs> yeah. Pony I'm like I'm a wrestling fan, so seeing him put through the table is like yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. Yeah. Least favorite. Least favorite. Um, I have a feeling that it's going to be a pretty general consensus that Pony sucks. <laughs> and <clears throat> least favorite scene is probably whenever Pony like tries to set up Michael like he's drunk, like it so it looks like he's drunk. That just, like, irked me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, least favorite, Pony. Not cool. Even more least favorite than that, your mom. She sucks. (laughs) Um, Least favorite scene? I really don't know if I have one. Like, I can't think of one where I was like, ugh, like, they're dragging or, uh, you know. Yeah, in terms of storyline, like, I, I really loved the whole movie. Yeah, I don't think I can pick one this time. Which I think is a first for me. (laughs) Um, so my least favorite character would actually be Sheila because I just don't approve of her parenting method where she thinks her son deserves it all and doesn't have to work to earn. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. Um, my thing, I loved every scene about the movie. Um, like you guys, um, I just had huge issues with everyone telling Katie she needed to be married. Like back off. She's 20. She does not need to be married. And then, People are like, oh, well, no one wants a woman when she's 30. I'm like, excuse me. Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> not okay. <laughs> right, because she was kind of just like, I'm not ready, you know, like, I don't need to right now. And everyone was like, yeah, well, you're getting old. You're 20. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I realized that that might have been the time period, but I don't care. Yeah. yeah. Not okay. I agree. I agree. How about you? Uh, so- my least favorite character, Pony, and his mom, because they're both just really nasty people. Uh, I find Pony a little bit worse than his mom because he knocks McBride and tries to set him up, but it was probably his mom that told him to do it. Yeah, that was so, close. Yeah. <laughs> and then my least favorite scene was when Katie finds out that they have to move and she goes crazy on McBride just because, like, I know back then when they made the movie, it probably wasn't a cliche part of a storytelling, but that misunderstanding is just so overdone now that <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it because we know they're going to make up in the end and yes. I'll be happy. So It's that, you know, yeah. and there's a feeling I get whenever that happens in a movie where you're just like, oh, but, but you don't understand and things are going to work out. And it, like, it's not anxiety, but like it's something in the pit of your stomach where you're just like, oh my God, I just want to get to the, the end where everything resolves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take away to always keep your imagination open, even if you're like 80 years old. Um, like, I like Darby? Yeah, I like that. I think he's actually like 90. He's old. He might be 100. <laughs> yeah. He probably was 80 when Katie was born. Oh my God. Um... <laughs> I just like that um, he has this connection with these leprechauns and, like, they watch over him and his family. And I think 
I like to believe in that kind of stuff because I think as a lot of people get older, they shut themselves off from any yes. kind of imagination. I like that we see that. I mean, we see that in like the Polar Express where like over time you lose the ability to hear a Christmas bell because you're you're grown oh, right. up now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I like hold on like yeah you know you have to be a grown-up in life and unfortunately and you have to be responsible but don't ever lose that imagination um innocence and like wonderment of being a child okay what i took away from it i want more like mythical folklore stories from walt and i don't know if those come in the future because i haven't seen a lot of the movies that are coming up, but I hope that there's more. And if there's not, I guess I'll just have to watch this movie over and over again to enjoy it. Okay, now somebody else can go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My takeaway is that there's a price with magic Mm. and wanting something without having to do the work to earn it has consequences. It has consequences for Darby and it had consequences for Pony. That was my takeaway. I like that. Yeah, that I is like good. Yeah. Magic comes with a price, dearie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that a rumple. Yep. <laughs> um, so my takeaway was that um, you have to be very careful with leprechauns because they're <laughs> very, very tricky. And a parent's love means more than money or anything. Because Darby wishes to take his daughter's place instead of wishing for the pot of gold. Yeah, I love how that's not even a thought for him. Like, all that greed and everything instantly goes away and he's just like, save her. Like, take me. Yeah. It's an an instant impulse. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good episode, guys. I have one more takeaway. (laughs) No, you just can't keep editing. If you (laughs) ever run into a leprechaun... Don't take the fourth wish. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trap! Don't do it! No such thing as four wishes. No four wishes. No such thing. You get your three and you're done. Mm -hmm. Like the genie. It's always three. All through history. Yep. But it's a good thing that Darby took the fourth wish at the end. True. True. So. True. Mm -hmm. Man. So take that where you want to take it. Now I'm all confused. What do I do if I run into a leprechaun? I don't know. <laughs> if you regret your three wishes before that, then take the fourth wish. And they'll all go away. <laughs> that you're out. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yep. Yeah, this was. I really liked this movie. Mm-hmm. And we have some very knowledgeable guests. So I want to say a super thank you for joining us. For bringing all your knowledge. Thanks for getting up early on a Saturday to record it with us. It's a Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was Saturday, then I'd I have another day in the weekend. Oh, I know. <sighs> but thank you so much for joining us. We had a good time. We hope you guys had a good time. Yeah, I had a great amazing. time. Thank you. Absolutely. Join us again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that yeah. both of you are joining us again so <laughs> yeah but i'm in like the night when you get to the 90s operation dumbo drop i think is my next movie oh yeah the the 80s. 80s all right well we've got a while 80s. Oh. we'll see oh. you on the facebook page it's okay yeah <laughs> oh feel did, free to join more did we want to share a memory since we don't have a disney memory? oh sure do you have one let me think of something i, I always forget you a disney question 
Oh, yeah, that's okay. They could ask us a question. Do you want to do that? Yeah, that's fine. All right, so since we don't have one prepared, go ahead and ask ask away. Okay. Um, I'm curious to know what your favorite Disney song is. Oh, oh. man, that's tough. So this kind of goes through phases for me, just like my favorite character. Um, I am a huge Little Mermaid fan, especially for the music. I love the music in Little Mermaid, uh, Part of Your World. I sang that over and over and over again growing up, and I still do. It's like on my car playlist, so uh, it still comes on quite often, (laughs) and I sing it. But also um, Moana right now. I always think of A Whole New World with you. How Far I'll Go. Love that song so much. Yeah. I, yeah. I always think of A Whole New World with you. A Whole New World. Yeah, that's another one. That was a, that, I mean, I love that song too. So, okay. Hmm. (laughs) Part of Your World, A Whole New World. What's this world theme? How Far I'll Go. (laughs) And, um, shoot, uh, Beauty and the Beast, like the title song. With Mrs. When Potts. When they're dancing. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. my favorite song... Sorry, I can't pick one. <laughs> it's all four of those. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to pick one. But I think it's You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. Just because as a child, like, I think Toy Story, besides Aladdin, because I totally ruined that VHS. But as I got older and, like, could pick a favorite that wasn't just, like you know, this movie I gravitated to as a small child. I picked Toy Story, and, like, I think that might have been the first movie I saw in theaters, and I had my own Buzz and Woody toy, and, like, I just loved that movie. And, like, I still sing that song now. Like, I change the lyrics and sing it to my cat sometimes, because why not? <laughs> we do that quite often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's just, like, it's such a sweet song. Yeah. It embodies friendship, and I, I really like it. What about what's this? I mean, that's yeah. Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas. Any ki- yeah, any Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. song except for Sally's song because I don't like her. <laughs> I, I watched that last night actually. <laughs> Good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to watch that for Christmas. Yeah. I have a list of sixty-one Christmas movies that I have to watch before Christmas. Oh man, you better get started. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Have them out in the background so yeah. you can check ch- check them off the list. Yeah. I don't think that. Uh, Terry, did you have a question? I don't want to skip over you. If you have something that um, you're dying to know. If you don't, it's No, okay. not really. <laughs> That's fine. Like, no, nah, off the cool. top of my head. I'm cool. I know that was, we put you on the spot, sorry. Sorry. Next time. All right, I think that's the end of the episode. Oh, I have a memory. Okay. Uh, so, Katie and I went on our trip across the pond, and we went to Disneyland Paris, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, but we collect the You Are Here Starbucks mugs. And Disney, like, recently started making them for the parks. And I wasn't sure if they would have one at Disneyland Paris. Um, But, like, they have one. And, like, you can only buy them in the park. So, like, they have a Magic Kingdom one that you can only buy at the Starbucks and Magic Kingdom, and Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, Disneyland, they have them. So we went over to Disneyland Paris, and they don't have a Starbucks in the park there. So immediately, we were in the parks, and I'm like, oh, they must not, they must not make them, because, like, they would be park-specific. But then we went to their downtown Disney area for dinner, and 
they had a Starbucks there, and they had both of them. You could just go into the downtown Disney area and buy both of them there, like, in one store. And, um, let me tell you, they're really expensive there. (laughs) Like, normally at Magic King, at Magic Kingdom, I want to say the mug, unless they raised the price, I don't know. When I bought it, it was, like, $15, because, like, normally at Starbucks, they're, like, 10 so I figured, oh, $5 upcharge, whatever, like, that's typical. They were 20 euro <laughs> Disneyland Paris each. What? Yeah. What is that about? I mean, we still bought them. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you have to. <laughs> yeah. Not a question. But 20 Just euro. Which is like, I mean, the conversion for euro is better than pound, so it wasn't quite as shocking, but still, it's more than $20. I think that's like. 30 canadian or something yeah i think it's like 25 american yeah it was a it was a pricey i was like but we're like oh we're doing it (laughs) we're here yeah and also disneyland paris was really cute Mm -hmm. we need to go back and give it more time we only had a day and so we had to like cut a lot out that we wanted to do um we'll probably do a pod on it their space mountain is sick yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome you go upside down <laughs> yeah. Is it one or two seats? Uh, two. It's two. We sat two. next to each other. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool, and it was uh Star Wars themed. Mm-hmm. Hyperspace. It was hyperspace Mountain. Ooh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool, and they have a lot of expansions coming. I want to say Disneyland Paris is getting like Arendelle. Oh yeah. Yeah. And um. Yeah, they're they're getting a bunch of stuff added there. Marvel Land, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because yeah. now Disney's on yeah. that kick. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it was really neat. We need to go back. I want to go back and like actually stay there, do a couple days. I want to give it all the time in the world because yeah. there's so many. They have different details than Disney World, just like Disneyland has different details in Disney World, and so on and so on. Yes. So. Yeah, like that one gift shop we went into was Lily's. Shoot, I don't know. It had, like, home goods, though, and it was named after, like, Lily Disney somehow. Mm -hmm. And there were pictures all over of Walt and Lily, like, throughout the years. And it was so cute. cute. We went, I went around with my camera, and I'm like, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. (laughs) (laughs) Just gave you all the feels. Yeah, it was really cute. I really loved it. And, Mm -hmm. like, they had, like, um... So on Main Street, like, there's the normal Main Street walkway where you're just, like, walking down the middle and there's the castle at the end. But then they also had, like, an arcade that you could walk through behind the shops on the other side that was... Do you remember that? It was, like, when you walked into the shops on Main Street, you could exit out the back and it was, like, this little arcade area that was (coughs) indoors and it had, like, gas lamps and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really beautiful. Yeah. She doesn't remember. She's just saying she does right now. No, I can I tell actually, by the look on her face. I was picturing something else. My fault. And then I realized. I was picturing the entrance. Yeah, the entrance is weird, though, because you're, like, in there, and then you have to go through again, mm-hmm. underneath something else again, to get to, like, the Main Street walkway. Yeah. But at the front of the park, it still says, here you leave today. Leave. Yeah, and enter a world of tomorrow <laughs> fantasy and adventure we took a video of it <laughs> it's the sign that's at the front of magic kingdom and disneyland yeah. park it's the same sign but it's in french and english yeah i was like Mag, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and side note like the rides there it's like 
half of it is in French and half of it is in English. So it's like, like, for example, like the Ratatouille ride, like Remy spoke French, but Emile spoke English. So like they were having a conversation together and like we could only understand half of it. I know a little, like I can understand a little bit of French, but like whenever you're speaking with somebody who actually speaks French, like they talk so fast, just like they probably think we talk really fast. So like I can't catch it as well, but like if I'm reading it, I can get it. I'm like, oh, I can, like this is kind of what this is saying. You have longer time to process it. Right. So like I had no idea what Remy was saying in the ride, but it was still really cute. Yeah. I can probably understand all of it because I live in the French part of Canada. Oh, that's yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Quebecois. That's awesome. Yeah, Montreal fan? Uh, got a root for my hometown team. <laughs> <laughs> Leafs fan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my Man, brother's they, a Leafs fan. They got along so oh. well the whole episode, and now they... And then they talked about hockey, I'm guessing. <laughs> Rivals. <laughs> We don't know hockey here, uh, which is weird because we live okay. so close to Canada and Ohio. Yeah. Like literally across the lake. We just have a minor league team though in Cleveland. Yep. But we did go to a game and it was fun. It was. Is that the end of the episode? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we might on. edit some of that. I don't know if I have to put every single story. I was mostly just telling you guys about Disneyland Paris, but... Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> little, it was neat. Little treat. I want to go now. It's really, it's really. Uh, they Expensive. have a partner statue, but it's not in Disneyland Paris side. It's in the studios side, which I thought was kind of weird because I want to mm. see it like in front of the castle. But it was actually just what is it called? Le Parc. Uh, I don't know. Studios side. Yeah, but it was like on the mug. It says it in French. I don't I know. Thought that was the other part. No. That's where the Ratatouille ride is, though, on the studio side. That's the coolest themed area ever. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. And I love Ratatouille. Okay, you can end the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> so Grown Up Kids can be found on Podbean, iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify. So make sure you subscribe to us so you can be sure to get our latest episode as soon as it's available. You can also find us on social media and join in on the conversation. We're on Facebook at Grown Up Kids, a Disney podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Grown Up Kids Pod. You can also join our Facebook discussion group where we have a list of all of the documents, a document of all of the movies in a list. <laughs> and you can see all the availability to be on the show with us. Make sure that you check that out and you can comment, email, or message us with, a, with what movies you're interested in joining us on. Also, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash grownupkidspod. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you watch Third Man on the Mountain ahead of tomorrow's episode for Podmas. And don't forget, adults are only kids grown up anyway. All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. And here youth may savor the challenge and promise of the future.